This is where we talk with global first entrepreneurs and remote work experts from all around the world. Our guest today is Sandra Rush, and CEO at Safety Ring. Sandra, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for inviting. Great to be here. Sure. Uh, so it, it, it's it, it's fantastic to have you with us today. And before we we jump into remote work and global business, could you maybe tell us about your journey and about that 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 evening in Oslo when you, when Safety Wing was born? Yeah. So, uh, well, that was the Christmas week, uh, 2017, and. Uh, <clears throat> You know, I was currently working in my other company, Superside, and uh, we had um, we had discovered there that you know, which was an online freelancing platform. We had discovered there that the people who worked there, one of their problems as online freelancers and sometimes living abroad, was that they didn't have access to the social safety net. Often in their country, sometimes in their um, even 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 privately, and so this was a big problem for them. So we knew about this problem. I've been trying to see if I could fix it in SuperSide. But uh, eventually we had this chat. We realized it couldn't be fixed in SuperSide. This was its own company had to be built. And the solution had to be a global social safety net. The internet labor market is global, meaning it doesn't, you didn't even ask me. We don't even know, uh, you know where we are sitting right now. So, and it does, in some ways it doesn't matter. Like it's like a fun fact. That's just how the internet works. So uh, naturally anything, any economy on the internet works like that as well. And so um, you have, but then you have this like obsolete legacy infrastructure, which is basically anything that used to be built around the time where that was not the case. And that includes big chunky items like the social safety net. And so we are, the solution is to make a global social safety net, uh, one that works the same for anyone, anywhere, and therefore can be used by the internet economy. So talking about safety wing, uh, are digital nomads your main customers, or do you see a trend where companies buy this policy for, for their remote workers? How does it work? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, the customers are both. So it's digital nomads. That's individuals. That's how we think about them. Uh, you know, that's people who work online and live abroad. Although they don't have to, they can live abroad. I guess is is the case. You know, that having a internet income, either remote full time job or freelancing or or entrepreneur, gives you the opportunity to go on an extended vacation should you wish to, or indeed to to live a you know a fully nomadic life where you live you know three months here three months there for a portion of your life which i did which I highly recommend great thing to great opportunity that we can in this generation do this you know it's, it's just pretty awesome um but uh while still ha having a high productive career uh, you know of course anyone can do it you know and, and just opt out of society but i'm talking in, in parallel with pursuing mm -hmm. uh, career so so I imagine a software developer from the U.S., maybe with a Silicon Valley startup who loves moving around one month in Argentina, the next in Malta. Yeah. Does this match the typical safety wing user or yes. are you seeing a different or wider range of people? Yeah, on the individual side, right? So we have two customers. Yeah. We have the yeah. remote teams 
which are, these are remote companies and their employees typically are work remotely, but they aren't necessarily digital nomads. And by the way, the typical digital nomad don't travel like, like many people put the kind of pattern of the backpacker who like move a lot. And maybe some digital nomad will do that for a little while, but that's not the typical pattern you see. What you, the typical pattern you see is just someone who lives abroad. They live in Bali, right? They live in Chiang Mai. And, and if they travel, they, they, it's like every three months, every six months, like they lived in different places. That's more common than, you know, every three days. You, I, you rarely see that unless they're like a van stuff or, or something. Um, but yeah, so you have the digital nomad, the software engineer from the US living in Bali. Yeah, that's, I think you just described like 20% of our customers. <laughs> that's just, uh, that's, that's, that's who they are on the, on the individual side. And on the company side, you know, that, that varies, you know, in the beginning, it was all startups in tech, you know, we started before the pandemic, but then of course the pandemic hit and then remote work went pretty mainstream. So now we also have <laughs> other, but, but still, you know, we're still on the frontier remote, the, the remote economy as we engage with it is still, uh, the frontier. So it's more startups, it's more tech, it's more crypto, it's finance, it's it's tech, it's tech heavy stuff. That, that, that's the kind of companies who who come to Safe Train. You know, I, I've been thinking about how Safety Ring is similar to Nell Banks. Maybe I'm wrong, but you'll correct me. So Nell Banks partner with traditional banks to handle finance, compliance, while focus on user-friendly online services. Let's call it like that, right? I guess Safety Ring has a similar kind of relationship with with, with uh, maybe some insurance partner in each location uh, that that help you basically manage compliance and regulation in various countries. Is this a fair comparison for safe to me? It was when we started, but uh, only as a means to an end. And it's not anymore. So we got this year, last year, uh, our like carrier license. So and so now we can kind of do the full stack and we, and we do. So if you go and buy Nomad Insurance now on our website, you're not, uh, yeah, we're not, you're not then buying uh, uh, a company that we, developed with another company, but in the beginning we did. And insurance is, it's extremely, it has a big regulatory moat. It's very hard to get the licenses essentially. Um, and it takes years um, and it's and, very difficult. So and, yeah. yeah. And you operate in many countries. So you need to get license in each of those countries? Uh, that uh, varies um, mm. in some countries. Uh, in some countries, perhaps it's enough with license to sell. In some countries, you can sell a foreign uh, insurance. Mm -hmm. So that this is the kind of you have to do that uh, analysis country by country. But um, but yes, yeah, so in the beginning, we worked with a company. We basically pitched them the idea, right? We we knew that they had the licenses, right? So that they mm -hmm. could develop a variant of their product. They made a new product with them, and then after now several years we had the sort of size and strength and knowledge to acquire these licenses ourselves the main reason we want to do that is because there were still some parts of the product we couldn't fully control when mm -hmm. we, mm -hmm. we were reliant on them in a way and and yeah. so and also because in a way everything so far the health insurance stuff the health stuff has been uh 
for us just a, a learning curve towards the full global social safety net so that's health but it also is a bundle that also includes retirement disability just the whole social safety net as you would have in a country but on the internet which is sort mm -hmm. of our vision project um, okay sounds cool um and so basically looking back at your journey from starting a web hosting company integrating safety wing uh can you maybe share how remote work and global teams have changed over time from your perspective? Yeah. Um, so remote work, so if you think about, so I, I have two venture-funded companies. Previous was SuperSide and this is Safe Doing. Um, when I start, as I start thinking about the idea for SuperSide, which is back in 2014, and that's when I'm kind of planning to become a digital nomad. This is like a package deal for me. It's like, I have a policy job at the Norwegian parliament. I want to quit my job. I want to like become a digital nomad and start a startup. Okay. And I've come across this idea and it's like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> because like many people, even though I had a, I had a pretty like cool job in a sense for my interests. Um, but you're still in the situation which many people find themselves in the regular economy, which is that they have a somewhat cool job. They have to work a lot but they're spending all their money on rent and they're kind of stuck in their situation a little bit. Like they're, they're, they're not free. So this possibility of earning into like income online and then being completely free of where and when to work. Amazing. So uh, that was, that was the plan at this point, this whole segment of the economy is super niche fringe like the digital nomad idea super niche French uh like you could you could kind of get to know everyone in the community um and uh yeah that's basically the size of it but the idea is super powerful and makes total sense right and clearly mm -hmm. people are discovering a possibility that was actually available to to anyone and and people are gradually realizing that mm -hmm. uh and uh so yeah, so that's how it is then. And so in 2016, when we start previous company, remember it's venture funded. We do Y Combinator, Leslie. So it's uh, it's it's that kind of thing. We don't even mention that we're remote. Like if so, it would be seen as odd. Like it's it's uh, it's not even that would register as negative, right? It's not that much on the radar, right? Mm -hmm. It's just what do you mean? Like it's just odd. Yeah. Uh, so that's the state in 2016. Uh, starting safe doing uh, in 2018, um, then it's it's a different environment. Uh, we will say we're remote. People are more curious about it. There are a couple of use cases that have grown up already. GitLab was already present then. There are a couple of use cases. And it's like, it's it's a growing, it's a, it's a trendy topic. So in the sort of setting of early stage fundraising, and we also did Y Combinator there, pretty positive, I would say. So it's it's changed quite a bit from 2016 to 2018. And then of course comes 2020, where there's explosion and, and COVID and everyone has to go remote, but not in the like awesome frontier digital nomad way, right? But like stuck in their homes um and uh with no interest or ability to do so but for the adoption of remote work which i think was inevitable it, it fast forwarded something like five years 
if you do look at adoption curves uh, of remote work, then what here's what here's what I expected. So so it was at three percent like share of the US workforce that have like uh, that worked remotely it was three percent. Uh, and then for like peak of the lockdown, I think it peaked at like 30. And um, and then we were expecting it to fall back to 15. Mm -hmm. It actually it actually didn't fall that it, it actually didn't fall that much. It almost like fell a little bit and then it flattened out and it is mm -hmm. close to that uh, now still. So you mean in, in global perspective or you're talking about the, uh, the, the US market specifically? This particular graph I have in my head is a, is a US. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, I I don't. Um, so uh, and, and there are similar ones you can see you can see in the job market share of LinkedIn posts uh, certainly in startups. So if you look at like uh, Hacker News job post, which is a very sort of tech techy website, and that tells you how things are in tech. You saw pre-COVID it was twenty percent. It went up to eighty during COVID and it has just stayed at 80 ever since. So that I think tells you about how the economy is like on the frontier. Of course, people are profoundly confused about this due to the spectacle of big corporates trying again and again to return from COVID enforced uh, back to work. And uh, the reason why I, this is so, and I get asked this like once a day and like, how is this for you? And the answer is we don't see it at all because this is, you know, my wife works at Amazon. And so I've seen live uh, Amazon's five returns to work <laughs> project, returns to the office project. And you, you might say like, why is there five? Like, why why wasn't there one? <laughs> like, yeah. One. Yeah. And uh, the answer is that every time they go through the same cycle, which is like, they go out for some reason in the press and say, now it's back to work. Yeah, so basically then, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they there is this uh, period where everyone's like grumbling internally, and uh, and of course a third they have experienced the same that all companies did during COVID, which is that between a third to half of their workforce have mm -hmm. either been hired because they've been hired remotely, right? Location remote is is not at office location. They don't live there anymore, or they moved during the time just because you know people could move, so they did move. So then you have this like negotiation where people are like, you know, she and she would be like, oh, they're now it's back to office again. And, you know, I have this top performer on my team, but he lives in Kentucky and, you know, discuss and negotiating with manager. Every time you, you land on this situation where it's like, oh, yeah, thankfully Dan can stay. <laughs> and, um, and uh, oh, and she can also actually keep being mostly remote and at first three days, but then she got an exception, an extension. Okay, so mm -hmm. you get this thing where mm -hmm. they go back to work, they discover all these people who have moved, and then they're forced with the situation where it's like, well, they're probably not gonna move back, or at least some of them. So, and if that then is a top performer or a key employee, it's not like it's just like, oh, yeah, it's downturn. Screw you, right? It's like, no, it's downturn. You need yeah. your top performers and your key employees. So, um, and then they end up in a situation where they remain 30, 30 to 50% remote after the fact. And that's why mm -hmm. even in Amazon, this could be news, write this news story. They're still remote. <laughs> My wife's still remote. Mm -hmm. Anne and her team is still remote in Kentucky. 
So I'm guessing number six is coming, I don't know, later this year. Stay tuned. <laughs> so you, you think that even with, with current economy, with this downturn, it won't affect remote work much? Yeah, that's that's your main idea. It's passing. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a fluctuation uh, that is smaller than I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that being an interesting point is that I'm obviously very bullish on remote work. Um, it's kind of akin to like the difference between sea levels and tides. Does the tide affect the sea level a little bit, right? But it's not structurally. It doesn't, you can still build your buildings on the shoreline pretty much, right? You, so, so that's, um, that's how it affects it, uh, on, on, on the. On the on the service level, on the margin a little bit, mm -hmm. companies uh, perhaps, but structurally speaking, on share of job postings that have location remote, uh, I, we haven't seen a change. Any of our customers, we haven't seen a change. Mm -hmm. um, okay, and uh, and the reason, yeah, the the reason why it will end up being fully remote long term i would say there are the, the what are the key drivers like what is the what's the global warming you know mm -hmm. of, of remote work uh, that's the economics of it so if you have if you start a company in your hometown i don't know how big of a town you came from was it small or big um okay it's so one. it's a big one <laughs> Uh, so uh, okay, so imagine that you're. You, you, but my hometown is in Ukraine, so yeah, <laughs> probably not the best place to start a company, but still, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine a small town of a thousand people, and you're starting a company there. Uh, you're limited by talent at that point. You can imagine the kind of team you would build, right? Eventually, hire the whole town. <laughs> sort of, it's going to be you're going to be talent constrained and that's going to be, limit the the chance your company succeeding actually you'd never see that you never see a company going global who that is in a thousand person town and partly it is for that reason so uh and then imagine like new york city uh so you can build a pretty strong company in new york city hiring locally uh you know it's a significant difference in the labor market and you can imagine the kind of talent you can hire in such a big town okay there's as big difference from a, a city of a thousand to new york city as there is from uh, or a city of eight thousand to new york city as there is from new york city to the internet economy so that's the major driver so you can just have uh the talent benefit will cause all companies that succeed in uh building and managing and, and running a successful remote team will have a massive talent uh, mm -hmm. advantage and mm -hmm. therefore will will succeed. Okay, so that's the one driver. The other driver that I haven't seen talked as much about is the sort of software advantage. So being in office and working together is great, but it's not that more great as it was like in the 50s or like literally a thousand years ago. <laughs> it's like very similar dynamics and mechanisms you use. I don't know, maybe the whiteboard was a big breakthrough, but uh, it's like pretty similar. <laughs> Actually, I don't think the, the whiteboard was a big <laughs> breakthrough. Now that I think about it, you have these carvings in caves a um, long time ago. But in remote work, this is nothing like it. 
Like, uh, I don't use even one of the same tools I used five years ago. And some of that has dramatically transformed the productivity of remote work. Like some of them, like Figma and design has been an absolutely an amazing productivity enhancer. Notion, I would say almost on a similar level. Of course, there's the, the ones that everybody uses, Google Meet, Slack, still pretty great, great tools. So uh, remote work is improving with the software and it's therefore on like an improvement productivity improvement trajectory. And it's like intermingling with software and now AI in a way that will also um, make it increasingly productive while working in the office will be similar now, probably uh, 50 years from now. Um, and what about cost? Don't you think that that's one of the main like a driving element of remote work? Yeah, but a cost is inverse. Uh, cost is just the other side of the coin from talent. Mm -hmm. So, um... and, and speaking about that, do you see a change in talent pricing with lower cost countries catching up to higher cost ones? And at some point, I I hear this from some of my clients that it, it doesn't make sense anymore to hire someone. Uh, some superstars, you know, from from Latin America or from Eastern Europe, let's call it like that, because they can go to I don't know to some uh, uh, states in 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 the United States, right, and and hire someone from from there for the same for the same cost. Yeah, <clears throat> I do think this is the accurate view of of the land. So a lot of people in the early days of remote work, they're immediate you know thought was arbitrage like here you can get yeah. the same talent for much lower cost and uh i think that and while that is true i think that that effect is so temporarily i probably wouldn't build mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't build a company on this this logic because it's transient it's going away mm -hmm. and in some markets like the most liquid markets it's already gone away so back in 2018 some people did this analysis on like upwork but where they were really granular like they didn't just look at is it pro compare programming to programming or anything but they looked at like a range of different factors of, mm -hmm. of like activity and language and, and experience and all kinds of things and then they found basically that the the arbitrage gap is already gone there mm -hmm. but the point is um The, the 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 so the 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 global the internet labor market is expanding the pool dramatically um but the best in the world the, here's the thing they might be in latin america <laughs> and if they if you are you say, because when people say the argument you just said what they really mean is I'm used to working in the office. I want to stay here. And here's my made up reason for continue as is. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's what's behind that argument. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and so they're not going to hire like, and let's say that their business is, I don't know, design. And then the best one in the world is in Buenos Aires, which is not impossible because yeah. the rest of the world is actually a much larger pool of people than whatever city you're in, even if that city is New York. Mm -hmm. So you're just not going to hire them and you're just not going to be the company that succeeds. And so this is, this is the kind of that evolutionary driver that will kind of weed that person out. So I think that the talent advantage is it's larger than the kind of transient, um, 
cost advantage. Although, of course, the cost advantage is 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 also uh, real. I mean, it is uh, you're not you're not going to pay overpriced on the internet for mm -hmm. the talent because the, the talent pool is is huge. Uh, yeah. So every single uh, industry is you know has is high competition in some sense. Yeah. So, uh, Safe to Bing is a, is a global first company. You hire like people all around the world, right? And you work with with digital nomads all around the world. So, you, you talked about this a bit. But which cities are becoming popular for remote work, and why? Can you give us some some insights from from you, your side? Yeah. Uh, you know, this is funny because this used to be niche knowledge, and now. Like I hear my parents know that Lisbon is a hot town for legitimacy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's it's going a bit. There's a lot of big newspapers that have started writing stories about this. Um, so apparently, uh, even the, the my hometown newspaper had a story about <laughs> this question. So so they know. Uh, no, I mean, this comes and goes. So obviously, you know, the previous generation of peak cities were, you know, Tulum, Slash Plata, Carmen, um, Bali, Chiang Mai. And they're still doing well, but you, you have the situation now with digital nomads, like when someone tops the list on nomad list, you just get this flurry in, and which literally drives up the cost. It also makes it more fun to be there, of course, for the nomads, because there's a ton of other nomads and, you know, they're creative, they have more startups, you know, they're, they're, interesting people but of course they also drive up the price so you know, a place like bali has literally become more expensive and, and more crowded due to uh reigning on this top list for a long while uh a bit later now you know it's been lisbon now for a bit and lisbon is uh you know experiencing the same i would probably go there still if i was that uh, right now i see porto you know another city in portugal kind of sailing up uh digital nomad uh, sorry uh, nomad list produces this uh automatically updated rank uh, of like fast growing cities. And I noticed that Porto was uh, sailing up and, and uh, Lisbon was off the top list. Uh, but in absolute numbers, uh, uh, Lisbon and London, Bali, Chiang Mai, Tulum are all still places where you will find a ton. Got it. Um, okay. It's been great talking with you, Sandra. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for your valuable insights and stories. Before we sign off, uh, is there anything else you want to mention or any upcoming safety being projects that our listeners should should know about? Mm. Yeah, I mean, right now we're working on uh, the social safety net membership. So uh, uh, if you are curious about uh, participating in being the first sort of citizens that have access to that, you know, definitely pay attention to our channels. Uh, we now have the capability to do that. And it's very fun to work on a vision project and kind of see the first glimpses into what the future will be like. So uh, stay tuned for that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, we wish you and safe to being all the best uh, in your journey. Thanks. Thanks, Vic.